I'm going to do something similar to what we did last week, uh, and as a part of that, uh, just wanting to have your feedback and your thoughts about when you think of the term uh, pastor, what comes to mind as far as their role description goes. So I'm just going to jot down a few uh, thoughts on the whiteboard, and sorry about if it's a bit glary for you or if you can't see it all that well. But when you think of the term pastor um, or someone who is um, a minister in a church, whatever language you prefer, a reverend, um, what, what sort of role or what sort of functions do you think they would normally have? What's that? Help gather the lost sheep. Okay, so um, outreach to people that don't know Jesus. Does that sound about right? Yep. Isn't it good that I'm not a teacher because no student would ever learn a thing if they watched the writing on my whiteboard. Leadership of the congregation. Now, I'm just hoping that, this, yes, it is a whiteboard pen. Phew. <sighs> Leadership of congregation. Yep. Offer encouragement. When they get offerings, they get encouraged. No, no, offering encouragement. Okay. Okay. Offering encouragement. Loving care for everyone. Yep. Theologically sound. Oh, wow. I don't know whether I can even spell that, let alone do it. Um, <laughs> theologically sound. Yep. To listen to what... So, um, a good listener? Yep. Um, Roz? Okay, Tessa and Cora? Oh, uh, what's that? Okay, so they're understanding when people are having a hard time that they can um, be someone that is understanding of them. Yep, okay, good one. Excellent. Sometimes we might use the word empathy, that they, they have empathy towards others in that sort of situation. Anything else as far as the role of a pastor? Yep. To help keep people in righteousness, okay. Um, I'll, I'm going to put one up for myself. So, just before the service, there was a blocked toilet, so they called on me to clean the toilet. Uh, so, that's something else that uh, a pastor can sometimes be involved in doing. Other thoughts about what pastors or ministers, a wise listener. So, I think it's interesting that we're a wise listener, not necessarily a wise speaker, but we'll get back to that. Um, anything else? To be there, Okay. Um, so there's a ministry of presence that they have um, of representing God to you and to acknowledge the, the, the moment that you're in, significance of that. One last one, yep, that we need encouragement, okay. Okay, so Victor wants a bonus round. Everything like Superman, yep. Um, no one try shooting a bullet at me to catch it in my teeth, don't do that after the service, so, Okay. Okay, one more down the back. Uh, a wife that can do all that as well. Oh, yeah. Now, didn't um, Paul say something uh, about it's better to be single in ministry than... Yeah, anyway. Uh, wife. Now, you can feel free to say that to Mary, but make sure you've got your running shoes on. Okay. Um, no, Mary's preparing for us to be heading away, so uh, that's what she's up to at the moment. Uh, I'd invite you, if you've got your Bibles with you, to turn to the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 2. Now, I have a confession to make. Um, yeah, no, it's not that big a confession, but I have a confession to make. Uh, for me, m- as much as I've tried to, to wear the term minister um, as a title, it, after 17 months, and, and at Northern, this is probably the first place where I've... Um, had that term applied or that title applied to me more than anywhere else. And 
I've, I've got to say, it just doesn't sit well for me. And there's a number of different reasons for that. Um, but I think it incorrectly identifies me with the title that creates misunderstandings as a result. You see, all of us, every follower of Jesus, every believer is called to be a minister. And to give the title to one person, I think, differentiates us in the area of ministry inappropriately to what it should ought to be. And we might look at that a little bit more next year. Uh, But some titles or some roles or names or references given are more biblically appropriate. And it's a credit to the churches of Christ that I hear these titles, offices or roles being spoken about uh, more regularly today. We read about these in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, where Paul writes, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And so for me, I believe that God has wired me to be a pastor. Yet the reality is that even with this term, there still comes, it still comes loaded with expectations and assumptions, which can easily become distorted over time. For example, the the, the phrase pastoral care, as if all these other roles don't have people who care. That it's only the pastor that cares and the, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the, the evangelists, they don't care. Um, it's only the pastor that does. Or that the congregation for providing care. And one of the great things I love about Northern is the fact that we have so many people care to others. And if you want to know more about some of those, then have a chat to me. The closest parallel to the office of pastor that we read about in Malachi's day is that of priest. When the people returned from being in exile after their time in the Babylonian exile, approximately 10% of the 42,306 had the role of... Now, at the time of their initial people held the, the office of priest in high regard. Their priests fulfilled their responsibility very well. But over the next 100 years, the priests moved further and further and further away from their responsibilities before Yahweh God, until it reached breaking point. So let's read about this from Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 to... Listen, you priest, this command is for you. Listen to me, this is Yahweh God speaking. Listen to me and make up your minds to honour my name, says the Lord of heaven, heaven's armies, or I will bring a terrible curse against you. I will curse even the blessings you receive. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you have not taken my warnings to heart. I will punish your descendants and splatter your faces with the manure from your festival sacrifices and I will throw you on the manure. Then at last you will know it was I who sent you so that my covenant with the Levites can, says the Lord of heaven's arm. Now the office of of priest was an honourable one. From all the way back to Exodus chapter 28 and 29, priests helped to represent Yahweh God to his and discerning the will of God. To do this, they needed to remain focused on God. While they were to represent the people, they were also to listen to God. In verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2 of Malachi, the messenger of the Lord calls out to the priests, to listen. If we were to go right back to the creation story, 
the story where we discover that everything seemed to go off the rails, everything seemed to start to go wrong when Eve and Adam started listening to other voices over the voice. And similarly, the cry of Malachi is for us to listen, to focus, to stop looking around at what others are doing, stop from being distracted by other voices, other demands, to listen to the God's voice and what He is saying. The priests were being called by God to repent of their wrong focus, of listening to the wrong things, and to make up their mind, to, to make it an act of their will and decide to return the name of the Lord of Heaven's Earth. And it was not some lame call, but it was a call with consequences. If the priests fail to respond then according to Malachi chapter 2, these priests would be in the poo with Yahweh God. When I lived up on the Glasshouse Mountains um, in Queensland, um, just so you've got Brisbane in Queensland, in southeast Queensland, and just north of that you've got the Sunshine Coast, and just west of that you've got the, uh, the Sunshine Coast hinterland and the Glasshouse Mountains, and I lived there for a while. And there would be occasions when I would go over to a mate's place, and one thing would lead to another. And we would end up in a cow pat fight. Now, for those that are... Who's ever been involved in a cow pat fight? Let's have a show of hands. Okay, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six... About ten people. Okay, good. Okay. Well, for those of you who are uninitiated, if you ever find yourself on the way home stopping by a, a paddock and there's cows there and you want to get involved in a cow pat fight, let me give you a few hints just to make sure you do it well. There is an art to a good cow pat fight. You need to get cow pats that are aged just too old. And it's like throwing a frisbee. You know, uh, the, the, the um, grass is all uh, hard and it's stuck together. And the most impact that you'll have is it hitting the person that you're aiming it at and it just bouncing off them onto the Too warm and fresh. And you're flat out picking it up, let alone throwing it. And you end up with more poo on you than you do on them. You get one, the right one, that's got a nice crust, but it's still soft in the centre. And it holds its form as you throw it. And it impacts the person in just the right way. And it's got a sight and a smell that lingers long after the fight is... Well, that might be fun for a couple of guys, but it was a horror for the priests. God declares that the feces of the goats, the cows, the sheep that were brought for the sacrifices would be splattered on the faces of the priests and they would be figuratively taken outside the camp and thrown onto the manure pile and all the other sacrificial. To come into contact with excrement would render the priests unclean and useless in their service before God. It would take them out of action. Their main focus, the main responsibilities, they would be denied of being able to fulfill because of what they were covered in. But this dis- discipline was not an end in itself, as all good. This discipline was desired to rattle the cage of the priests and have them repent and commit to the covenant that they had with God, the, the relationship and the commitment that they had. You know, I was talking to someone just recently who had a health uh, scare and their, their health cage was rattled. At, 
And as a result of it, it was interesting to hear from them that they wanted to make some changes in their lifestyle habits. Here, God wants to have the priests, their cage rattled. Not to hurt them, but to help them make the important but positive changes in their life and in as verse 4 declares, Then at last you will know it was I who sent you this warning, so that my covenant with the Levites can continue. So what had the priests done that was so wrong to bring about such judgment from God? Well, we'll come back to verses 5 to 7 in a moment, but for now, let's skip over to verses 8 and, verse eight and 9 of Malachi chapter 2. But you priests have left God's paths. Your instructions have caused many to stumble into... You have corrupted the covenant I made with the Levites, says the Lord of heavens. So I have made you despised and humiliated in the eyes of all the... For you have not obeyed me, but have shown favoritism in the way you carry out my instructions. Rather than listening to God and obeying him, the priests had become enticed into listening into the voices of others. And as a result, they started to show favoritism to the voices that cried louder, to the voices that threatened, to the voices that complained, to the voices that offered advancement or financial gain. Whatever the voices, it was not the voice of God that told the priest to conceive and conceive. The priest had left God's path and did not remain true to God's word. As a result, they led many away from God. These leaders of God's people led them down a garden path, as it were, and they stumbled. Rather than honouring the commitment, the covenant that God had made with God's people, the call of the priest's life, the priest had corrupted it for, for a sense of satisfaction, for the sake of an ease. So God says... Stand, the standing you once had before the people, the honour you once knew, when the people treat God with it's an only a matter of time before people treat God's representative. Reminiscent of Malachi 2, Peter writes in 2 Peter 2, and he cries a warning for, uh, against, or a warning about false teachers, where he says this, but there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false they will cleverly teach um, destructive heresies and even deny the master who... In this way, they'll bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evils and shameful... And because of these, the way of truth, in their greed, they will make up clever lies to give your money. But God condemned them long ago and their destruction will... But in the middle of this rebuke is an inherent call of Malachi, the call for the representatives of God amongst God's people, the call is to return to what they were set apart to do, their purpose, their ministry, to return to the covenant of relationship, of representation that God had made with the Let's return to Malachi chapter 2, this time in verses 5 to 7. To capture the essence of God's call, the purpose of my covenant with the Levites was to bring life and peace, and that is what I gave them. This required reverence from them, and they greatly revered me and stood in awe of my name. They passed on to the, of the instructions they received. They did not lie or cheat. They walked with me, living good and righteous life. They turned many from lives. The words of the should preserve knowledge of God, and the people should go to him for the priests 
is the messenger. The priests were called by God to have a commitment to God above all. You know, 17 months ago, at my induction I stood here in front of you. And that was exactly what you called. In Malachi's day, the priest explained um, and taught God's word according to what the people needed to hear. Not necessarily what they, the priests were called. They didn't lie. or The priests were called to have true character. They walked with me, with Yahweh God. The priests were called to be true in their relationship with me. They turned many lives from sin. We heard some of that in the description about the role of pastors today. Presenting the good news to those who were stuck. Calling them to repent. The priests were called to issue a true challenge. From the lips of the priests should come a storehouse of knowledge because they are understood of the love of God. So how do priest, the priest's behaviour differ as a result of following man's call in verses 8 and 9 compared to God's call in verses 5 to 7? Well, we can see that on the screen now. Man's call in verses 8 to 9 was about a false relationship where God's call was about true relationship. Man's call led them down to leave God's paths. God's call. Man's call had them involved in false teachings where God's call had them man's call had them turning to God's call man's call was corrupting the covenant where God's call was in the covenant and that man's call was about false but if we travel in time from 430 BC to 2018 and God's call for us to the way that um, sometimes we as a church based on Ephesians 4 are able to call people who have apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral. But focusing now, just for a moment, on and the role of a pastor today. We see a parallel between Malachi's priests and Northern community. And what should their primary... Pastors at Northern should be called to have a true relationship, investing time in their relationship with God, well beyond just spending called to have true character. Not manipulated by the whim, but to have people and righteous lives. Not showing favouritism, not being manipulated, not lying. They're called to be true to their calling. The covenant that has been made between God, who called them to serve as part. They're called to give true teaching. Not to water down God's word, but to help people to apply God's word. Not tips for Bible truth, but called to have true um, understanding and true teaching for life application. Teaching that, that kind of gets under the and into the heart, not just stays pastors of course, to challenge, to confront, to name that which would, we would prefer not to have, to bring to light that which we... But the purpose of change, transformed lives, is that the focus of... To see people return to God, turning from sin and turning to God. This is the heart of... So I guess my question for you today is, what sort of people do you want to have standing before you? What sort of people do you want to have providing leadership to you? Do you want people that are willing to compromise on what God is calling us to do, what God is calling us? Do you want people to lead you who will, who will cave in at the first sign of pressure, to capitulate to the whims of comf- uh, comfort? Or when the budget is tight, that we, we start to change what we because we might attract more people. When things look rocky, do you want pastors and leaders who hide behind those boulders? Do you want pastors who follow the path for Matt, for me? And may I also extend this out to the rest of the leadership group? We need to be men and women who strive to leave out, live out Paul's 
preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favourable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke and encourage your people for a time is coming when people will no longer listen. They will follow their own desires and will tell them whatever they're itching. They will reject the truth and chase after me. But you should, don't be afraid of suffering. Work at telling others and fully carry out the ministry. When I was at Bible college, I was shown a great book by Eugene Peterson and in the pages of the book called The Contemplative Pastor, I found that there is a place where there is a similar call put on pastors, a, a commissioning as it were. And while it's based on the pages um, that we have looked at today in Malachi, um, this commissioning comes from the mouths of a congregation, of a congregation as they're setting out, at they're starting this journey together with a And it, it sets a clear understanding of wanting to draw a line in the sand and say, this is what we want you to do. And my hope and prayer is that you're of a similar heart today, of a similar mind as this uh, commissioning penned by Hugh But not only for Matt and I, but also, let me read it to you and perhaps this call will resonate with your heart. So allow me to read from the contemplative pastor. And as you read the words on the screen, as you reflect on them, these words that are a congregation's when they use the word sacrament, Think of things such as baptism. So these are the words. We, that is the church, need help in keeping our beliefs sharp and accurate. We don't trust ourselves. Our emotions seduce us into infidelities. We know we are launched on a difficult and dangerous act of faith. And there are strong influences intent on diluting. We want you to be our pastor, a minister of word and sacrament in the middle of uh, the world's minister with word and sacrament in all the different parts and stages of our, in our work and with our children and our parents at birth in our celebrations and sorrows on the day when morning breaks over us in a wash of and those other this isn't the only task in the life of faith but it's your task will you find someone else to do the other important and essential task this is yours, word and sacrament. One more thing, we're going to ordain you to this ministry and we want you, your vow, that you will stick to. This is not a temporary job assignment, but a way of life that we need lived out in our community. We know that you are launched on the same difficult, in the same dangerous world as we are. And we know that your emotions are as fit as ours. And that your mind can play the same tricks. That's why we're going to ordain you. And why we are going to exact a vow from you. We know that there are going to be days and months and maybe even years. When you won't feel like we are believing anything. And won't want to hear it. And we know that there will be days and weeks and maybe even years. When you won't feel like saying it. It doesn't matter. Do it. We are ordaining you. uh, We are ordained do it. You are ordained to this ministry, vowed to it. There may be time when we come to you as a committee or a delegation and demand that you tell us something else than what we are telling you now. Promise right now that you won't give in to what we demand. You are not a minister of our changing or time condition or secularized hopes for some. With these vows of ordination, we are lashing you fast to the mast of word and 
so that you will be unable to receive. There are many other things to be done in this wrecked world and we're going to be doing at least some of them. But if we don't know the foundational realities which we are dealing with, God, we're going to end up your task to keep telling the basic story, representing the presence, insisting on the priority of God. We will call a variety of people, but when calling a past, these words are both a challenge to about our ex. Jesus, you call us. In, you call us to walk with you, to know your voice. You call us to true character, to protect from pressure, to cave in and compromise, to the voices, to be steadfast, to have true t- turning many from not to make things just the call that you play on the life of past. As you take some time to respond now, what might God, let me lead you with some thoughts to ponder. What sort of a prayer might you offer? Take a moment perhaps. Perhaps there's something that you need to make right with God. There may be of times in the past rather than ask. Now we recognise that as far as far as hearing for pastors and leaders in the church, that we do, that it's not about being, but unless, let's take some time,